Oh, good morning. Good to see you all today. If you're online, thanks for joining us online this morning. It's good to be together. Uh, we're moving into a new series this morning, and we want to talk about uh, growing things, how healthy things grow. If a plant is healthy, it starts to put out new branches. If a per- person is healthy, uh, they begin to engage in new things. If an organization is healthy, uh, it begins to have an influence in its community. So this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, dirty laundry. Uh, just kidding. We're not talking about that. We're going to get this. This is an example of, of uh, something growing. Uh, this is a door. We moved here about two years ago from Colorado and sold our house about two years ago. And we left our house in Colorado, everything there except this door. We brought this door with us from Colorado. Um, I just really like the font on the... No, it's not that. Uh, any idea why we might have kept this laundry room door from Colorado? That's right. On the back is our family's growth chart. And it's hard. I know you probably can't see it from where you are, but there's just little lines all the way up from our three kiddos. And uh, we had lived in Minnesota and started a growth chart in Minnesota on the back of a door. And when we moved to Colorado, I forgot about the growth chart in Minnesota. And so I said to myself, I'm not doing that again. We're taking the door with us. This is when we moved to Kansas. So we talk about healthy things growing. On here, we've got, you know, we've got the kids growing up. We've got Haven down here at four years old. We've got Brenna here at seven. We've got August here at nine years old. Uh, I'm up here. At some point in my life, I stopped growing. I'm just fighting that, this growth right now, you know, the sideways growth. But, you know, this is our, our growth chart. And uh, let's say Haven at nine, here she is at nine. What if at 10 years old, she was still here? What if at 11 years old, she was still here? 12 years old, still here? We, we'd start to get concerned as mom and dad. We'd start to get worried about her. Why isn't she growing? We'd, we'd head to the doctors. We'd go to a specialist. We'd take x-rays. We'd run tests because... Healthy things grow. Our kids should be growing. If they're not growing, we we wonder what's wrong and something's off. And when we think about our our spiritual lives, walking with God, allowing the Spirit of God to transform us and change us, we want to see our spiritual lives growing as well. And when our spiritual lives aren't growing, it should cause us to ask the question, what's going on? Why is there not growth in my spirit and my connection with God? I'm assuming that you're interested in what God is doing in, in the world today. You're at a church service. Uh, you, you joined us online. You're here um, to, to hear about what God is doing, how you can connect yourself to his power and his presence. Uh, we believe that God is active in our world today. We want to know him. We, we know that he knows us, and we want to be connected to him. And we want to see that connection to God growing and changing over time. We, we want to grow in our amazement of who he is and how he moves in our lives. And we want to see him changing us, transforming us. As, as a church community, we are interested in pursuing new life together in Jesus. That's what we're about as a church, uh, pursuing this new life that we have in Jesus. And the first uh, movement of that vision is that we follow Jesus. We want to understand how he lived his life, and we want to follow his example and, and live a life similar to how he lived. We want to experience the life we were created for. We want to grow in dependence on our good Father to become more and more like the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. So when you sign up to follow Jesus, it means you've signed up for transformation. You've signed up to be changed. You've signed up to to grow in in new ways. You've, You've taken what your agenda, your rights, the things you want to grab hold of in this life, and you've laid them down. And you've said, God, what do you want? 
Jesus, what is it you want in my life? What is your agenda for my every day? And you've, instead of walking forward with what you want to do, you've said, God, what do you want me to do? And that's what I'm interested in. Following Jesus means that when people watch your life, when they see how you live, that they're not watching an American living out an American dream. They're seeing a follower of Jesus living out a kingdom of God dream. Uh, a life that is displayed through surrender and sacrifice, through joy and hopefulness, that, that we would live in a different way. When you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up for transformation, for change. And we want to see God growing us in, in joyful hope, that we would be patient in the midst of hardship, that we would have a, a deep trust in our conversations with God. So if, if we're honest about this idea of growing, that's what we want, but we know if we're honest that we don't always do that. That there are days when we feel a little stalled out. There are, there are moments and seasons of life where we get distracted, where we get moved into other agendas, where we, uh, we start to follow other people or other organizations and, and give that our attention to those things instead of to what God is doing. God is unseen. He is a mystery to us. Our, our spiritual lives in many ways seem hidden to us. And sometimes it's just hard to get our hands around it. And so instead of investing the energy and the, the desire we have to grow spiritually, we start to focus on things that you, we can see and feel and touch that, that are a little bit easier for us to check out. But this morning, I want to encourage us to remember that healthy things grow. And then as you're pursuing Jesus and following him, that there should be changes in your life. You should be growing as a person in, in important ways, in different ways. We've defined spiritual growth this way. Here's what we say spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth is increasing love for God and for other people. Spiritual growth means that I'm able to love God and I'm able to love others in, in new ways, in different ways, in changing ways over time. We don't define spiritual growth as more church activity. We don't define spiritual growth as, as more information. We don't define spiritual growth as uh, little goosebumps on the back of our necks when we're you know, singing a certain song. All those things can be good. All of them can help us grow. But we define spiritual growth as love, an expression of our love for God and our love for others around us. Are you and I growing in our love and affection for our Creator? Are you and I growing in our love and affection for other people, especially those that are different than we are, those that believe differently than we believe, those that look differently than we look? Are we learning how to love others the way that God loves all people? And that's how we're going to measure spiritual growth. I want to go to a passage this morning that talks about growing in our faith. And it's a passage found in, in the book of um, Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles handy or your phone, you want to open up your Bible app, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul wrote to his friends in Ephesus, and this is an ancient town. It's no longer there, but it was, used to be located on the uh, western side of what is today Turkey. Two weeks ago, those uh, terrible earthquakes hit on the uh, eastern side of Turkey, the Syrian side of Turkey. On the other side of the country was where Ephesus was. And, and Paul invested serious time in Ephesus, starting that church. He spent three years there. He was deeply connected to many people that lived in Ephesus. And at one point, he was sailing by uh, the shore that Ephesus was located, located off of, and he knew it might be the last time he was heading that way. So he pulled up, dropped anchor, and invited friends from Ephesus to come down to the shoreline so he could see them one last time. And, and in that moment, they cried together and they wept together because they knew it might be the last time they would be together. He had a deep connection with Ephesus, and, and he wanted to see them growing in their amazement of God, in the, in the ways that God was transforming their lives. So look at the words he wrote to them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. 
And, and here's some of what he wrote. I am asking you to live a life worthy of what God chose you for. Don't be proud at all. Be completely gentle. Be patient. Put up with one another in love. The Holy Spirit makes you one in every way, so try your best to remain as one. Let peace keep you together. There is one body. You can hear the, the words of love in this passage, how key it is that we embrace humility, that we uh, express gentleness, that we experience peace between one another, and that is all made possible because of our love for each other and, and Paul's love for the people of Ephesus. I like how the translation says, put up with one another in love. That kind of has negative overtones to me that you would put up with someone. But Paul's just being honest. There's times when we don't really like a person or they rub us the wrong way or they're difficult for us to be around. And Paul says, even then, he says, you learn how to love one another. You allow love to still bring you together that you can be one, brothers and sisters in the faith, one family, one church, that you can love one another. Paul wrote some more about how God has invested in each one of us different gifts that allow us to bring our, uh, us together as a church community. He wrote to the friends in Ephesus, he says, God is placing gifts in you to grow you up in your faith. And so in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, God did this. God put those gifts in you that, that you might prepare God's people to serve. And if these gifts, the body of Christ will soon be built up if these gifts are being invested. That, that will continue until we all become one in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Then we will be grown up in the faith. So when will we be grown? When will we be, you know, on our growth chart towards the top? Paul says it's when we're one, when we are unified, when we take care of one another, when we walk together in this life. And because we're humans and because we're in relationship and those dynamics will always be changing, we know that that oneness really won't come until we're perfected in heaven. But until that point, we're going to continue to pursue it and, and grow in our faith. What's going to help us grow up? What's going to help us reach this kind of unity, this kind of oneness? What will happen as we are unified together? Well, here I want you to read some of these words with me from Ephesians 4.13. There's four sentences on the screen, and we don't do this very often, but I, I want you to read them out loud with me, okay? So look up at the screen here, and let's read these together. We will receive everything that Christ has for us. We will no longer be babies in the faith. We won't be like ships tossed around by the waves. We won't be blown here and there by every new teaching. As we grow up in our faith, uh, we will have an anchor that holds us firm. As the storms of life come at us, as, as relationships go through difficult days, as physically we suffer, as we lose jobs or wonder about the future, in the storms of life, there will be a, a solid ground for us that will hold us firm. The wind won't be able to move us. The distractions of our culture won't pull us away. We will be anchored to the truth of God's love and grace for us as we grow up in our faith. And then Paul finishes up this section. He says, we won't be blown around, but what will we do? What, we, what will those growing up in their faith be about? So read this part with me as well, this next passage, just a couple sentences. So just read them out loud with me. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. We will grow up into Christ in every way. He is the head. He makes the whole body grow and build itself up in love. We will speak 
We will live out, we will reflect truth and love in every way. We will be built up in love. Spiritual growth is an increase in our ability to love God and love others. And this growth will, will take intention, will take work. You don't accidentally grow spiritually. You don't grow closer to God by mistake. It takes intention and focus and purpose. Real transformation, real spiritual growth happens when we train ourselves to to live like Jesus lived, when we pursue the life he created us for. And when I say training, I don't mean trying to be like Jesus. I want to make a differentiation for you this morning. Trying to be like Jesus is, is one of the most frustrating things you will ever do. To, to grit your teeth and bring all your energy and all your strength and try as hard as you possibly can to do the right thing, to do what Jesus would have you do, that can lead to a lot of guilt and frustration and hardship. And Jesus doesn't want you to try to be like him. He wants you to train yourself to be like him. And there is a significant difference. Jesus wants you to train to be like him. We talk about this at our trailhead gatherings when we have newer people at Hillcrest and we we get them together to talk about who we are as a church and how we uh, walk with Jesus and how we grow in our faith. And we talk about this idea of of trying versus training. If you're trying to be like Jesus, stop it. All right? You're not going to hear many pastors tell you that. Stop trying to be like Jesus. We need to train ourselves to be like Jesus. Let me just give you an example of what this might, what I mean when I say trying versus training. Let's say after church this morning, you head out to the lobby there and you pour yourself a cup of coffee and Trey comes up to you, Trey, our, our director of worship, and he gives you a smile and he says, hey, I've noticed you out there singing and um, I think that you've got some musical ability. So tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm heading down the road to a little gathering of people and um, I, I want to sing, but I, I'd like you to play guitar. I want you to play guitar tomorrow morning for me, and I think you can do it. And you like Trey, and you want to make him happy, so you say, okay, I'll give it a shot. So tomorrow morning, you get up at 9 a.m., and you head over to the site, and you open up that guitar case and put it on. You've never played guitar before in your life, and he starts to sing, and you start doing stuff to the instrument. And how do you think that's going to go? It's not going to be pretty, right? It's not going to, it's going to sound pretty bad, no matter how hard you try. It's not going to be what you had hoped it would be. Uh, so let's, let's pretend like the story's a little bit different. That's not going to go well. Let's try something else. So let's say Trey comes up to you after church, and you've got your cup of coffee, and he says, hey, I've noticed you out there singing, and I think you've got some musical ability. And, you know, we need some help with our, our kids down the hall here, our elementary school kids. They need someone leading some songs for them over at the student center. And I think, I think maybe you've got what it takes. And so Trey says to you, here's, here's what I want to suggest. Here's a plan. Over the next nine months, how about we get together once a week for like half an hour, and we'll do some guitar training together. I'll show you where to put your fingers on the strings to make different chords. I'll show you different strum patterns. I'll help you learn how to read music, and you know, we'll just work on this together, and after nine months, we'll, we'll have you down there on a Sunday morning to do a couple songs with the kids, and let's just see how that goes. Now, given that idea, plan of nine months, how many of you think that maybe you could learn how to play guitar with Trey helping you? Now, you're, some of you, I'm sure, are still doubting. You're like, Nate, I got no rhythm. That uh, would not go well. But you'd have a better chance, right? Uh, trying, uh, trying is going to get you, trying tomorrow morning is probably just going to be frustrating, and, and, and you're never going to pick up a, a guitar again. But if you train yourself to play guitar down the road, you might actually be able to stand in front of a group of kids and, and sing a couple songs with them because you've trained to do it. There's some spiritual mentors, authors that I've read, Dallas Willard and John Ortberg, that write about spiritual training, and they give it this definition. 
Training is practices that help me do things in the future that I cannot do today by my own direct efforts. Practices that help me do things in the future that I cannot do today even if I tried to do it. There might be habits in your life, things that you would like to stop doing. And tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up up and try not to do that thing. And yet, you're going to stumble and fall, and you might get hooked again. Instead of trying not to do that thing tomorrow, what if Jesus said, I want to train you. Let's get into some training. Let's take some small steps that you can do tomorrow so that down the road, you actually can live in a different way. What if there's someone at, at school that you go to, uh, or maybe at work, or maybe uh, organ- you know, the gym later tomorrow you're going to go to, and there's this person, you know you're going to run into them. And you know that, that Jesus said, I want you to learn how to love all people, because God created everyone in his image, and he's working in every life that you encounter, and, and Jesus has called us to love all people, but there's that one person. Let's just say it's Joe, okay? And you're going to run into Joe tomorrow, and you know you've got history. He's done some things, he's said some things, and it's you're going to have a hard time loving Joe. So you could try tomorrow to love Joe, but it's probably not going to go well. And within about two minutes of seeing him, your thoughts are going to start going off the the rails, and it's going to be frustrating. So what if instead of trying to love him tomorrow, what if you trained yourself? What if you engaged in some training activities? What if you said, okay, over the next two weeks, I'm going to pray for Joe. When I wake up and when I'm heading over to work, when I'm heading to school, I'm going to pray for Joe and say, God, I'm going to see him today. Help me to see him in a different way. Help Help me to see him with your eyes. Would you change my heart? Would you help me to live differently around Joe? After a couple of weeks of praying, you say, all right, I'm going to add another training exercise. Uh, I'm going to ask Joe a question when I see him. First thing I'm going to do is ask him a question. How are you doing today, Joe? What, what do you got going on? How's your family? I'm just going to ask a question. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. So you work on that. That's a training activity. You're still maybe not able to love him, but you can pray for him and you can ask him a question. And, and who knows over time what you couldn't do by direct, your own direct effort alone tomorrow. Maybe over time, you're actually going to grow in your capacity to care about Joe, to be concerned about what he's going through in his life, to actually be able to say with authenticity that you love Joe and that he matters to you. This is what it means to train yourself for godliness, to train yourself to live in a new way. And we're going to spend several weeks here together talking about some of these training activities, different ideas of things you can engage with that over time can help you to live in a new way, help you learn how to love in a new way as you engage in them. Last Wednesday night, we met for Ash Wednesday service, and we had different stations set up where we could engage in some spiritual training. And we left a few up this morning for you. There's this prayer wall on the back of the sanctuary wall where you can write down a prayer request on a leaf and stick it onto the trees. And just that act of writing down your prayer is a training exercise of coming to God and asking him to move in your life in a new way. Out in the lobby, uh, there's a couple other stations about lament and confession. And again, just training activities to help you begin to engage with God in some new ways. We're going to spend some time talking about this together. And this morning, I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about one training activity that we've already been doing this morning. It's a training activity called worship spiritual training that exercises our hearts called worship. Worship takes place anytime you submit yourself to another. When you lower yourself and and let go of your ability and surrender to the ability of someone else or something else. When we do that, we are worshiping and and we are created to worship. Each one of you uh, inside, we have this desire to worship. And, And sometimes it's just worshiping ourselves. Sometimes it's worshiping uh, finances or money. Sometimes it's worshiping someone else who's famous or a band that we enjoy. Or, Or we can choose to submit ourselves 
to the only one who really deserves our worship, our creator God, our redeemer God, Jesus, our, our comfort God, the spirit of God, that we would surrender to him and worship him. We are created to worship. Jesus was once talking to a woman who was struggling to understand who she was and where she belonged. She was looking for love and not figuring out how to find that. And Jesus was talking to her. And he began to talk with her about worship. And here's what he said to her. He said, a new time is coming. In fact, it's already here, Jesus said. True worshipers will worship the Father God in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father is looking for. And Jesus uses the word here, worship. And when he uses that word, it's the, it has to do with the idea of kneeling down in front of, to kneel before. So if you were to come into a room and you saw me kneeling, like in this posture, in front of something, someone, and maybe you couldn't see what was in front of me because there's like a curtain or a wall here, what would you imagine is behind that wall? Who, who would be standing there? I would be like this in front of them. Who might be back there, right? My wife. Okay. Yes, could be. Could be. Uh, you might think it would be someone with authority over me, someone like uh, a king or the president of the United States, perhaps, or Angela. Yes, my wife. So, you know, that's the posture you take in worship. You kneel down, you surrender yourself to, you, you lay your life down. And, and God is looking for people who will kneel down before him, as Jesus said, in spirit and in truth, these, these two facets of, of worship. When Jesus says we should worship in spirit, it means that we should bring our hearts. We should bring our emotions, our motivations. Our, our hearts inform our surrender to God. Uh, love is a feeling. It's an energy that draws us toward the person that we have affection for. So we need to worship God with our, our hearts and our emotions, our spirits. Jesus also said we worship in truth. And when he says that, he means that, that we worship something that is real, something that is, is unchanging. Our, our thoughts, our critical thinking, our minds inform our surrender to God. Uh, wisdom is, is knowledge applied to life experiences, and as we know God, as we walk with God, we begin to grow in wisdom. We begin to understand that he is good and faithful, that he is with us and for us, and so we can worship him in truth because of who he is, and he is unchanging, and, and he is faithful to us. We need both spirit and truth when we worship if it's only spirit, if it's only emotions, well, we can become stuck in that feeling. We can begin to pursue the feeling instead of the one we're worshiping and begin to, to worship the feeling itself. If, if it's just truth, we can get stuck in legalism, just jumping through the hoops, and we'll miss the joy of relationship that we get to have with our Father God. We need both spirit and truth to grow. The spiritual practice of worship brings transformation because it connects our hearts and our minds in the presence of God. There's another passage that talks about worship in Romans chapter 12, somewhat familiar to some of you. Paul is writing about worship. He talks about how God has such grace and, and compassion for us. And then he writes these words in Romans 12. Brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, dedicated to God and pleasing to him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. Paul says this is the kind of worship we should be about. Worship is connected to spirit and truth, but it's also connected to our physical bodies. We offer up, we open up, we, we lay down our physical bodies and invite God to have control over our bodies, our, our actual bodies. How we, how we use our bodies matters to God. What we put into our bodies 
matters to God, where our bodies are located, how we invest in them, how we use them, all that is important to God. Worship is not just singing and working for God's glory. It shows up physically. It should show up physically. Paul wrote in another place in the New Testament a letter to his friends in Corinth, and he wrote for a chapter about, about sexuality, about this gift that God has given us. And he, he writes this great chapter about human sexuality. And at the end of it, he says these words, Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? When you become a follower of Jesus, when you surrender to Jesus and receive his forgiveness, he places the Spirit of God in you. The Spirit is in you, Paul writes. You have received him from God. You do not belong to yourselves. Christ has paid the price for you. So use your bodies in a way that honors God. You and I, we are, we are integrated people. We are spirit. We are physical. We are, both things matter. We are to be the same in our spirits and in our physicality. Our worship has an impact on our souls. Our worship has an impact on our bodies. When we use our bodies to worship other things, when we use our bodies for, for sexual pleasure outside of marriage, when we use our bodies for chemical pleasures and, and addictions, we're not honoring God. We're not worshiping the one who made us and knows us. If you're interested in growing in your experience of God's power and presence in your life, you need to think about how you worship and who you worship. And, and help, ask God to help you worship him alone, to surrender your life to him alone, to bring your spirit to engage in the truth, to engage your body in all the ways that you can worship him. So I want to give you a few ways to practice worship this week, four ideas of ways to engage with worship as we head off into this new week together. Four spiritual practices. First one, uh, sing a song. A lot of times when we think about worship, we think about singing. It's a lot more than that, but that's often one of our first thoughts. And so sing a song this week. Uh, listen to music that reminds you of God's grace and God's power in your life. Listen to a song that, that draws you close to God. If you haven't had a chance to join us for prayer week, we, we're halfway through our prayer week. There's still sessions available in the prayer room. You can sign up for half an hour to come and, and spend some time with God. And if you do that, bring some music with you and listen to a song that, that touches your heart and reminds you of God's love and grace and truth. Number two, read a psalm. So sing a song and read a psalm. In the middle of your Bible is, is the hymnal of the Jewish people, a book, the book of Psalms, and it's filled with poetry and songs that the, the people of God wrote down over years. Their, their, their interactions with God, how he showed up in their life, their ups and downs in their relationship with him. So read a psalm and allow it to draw you to surrender before God. Read, it, read the same one every day this week and, and allow God to use it to help you surrender to him. Third idea, take a walk. Get outside and, and breathe. And so is, this will be easy as it gets warmer outside, but, but get outside and, and look at God's creative uh, work, the energy he put into making this world, the creative things that he brought. Get up close to a tree and just look at how unique it is, how it's put together. Look at the creativity of God revealed through animals that you might see, birds. If you pass someone with a dog, pet the dog for a minute. Um, you know, God reveals his creativity in all these different animals. If you see a squirrel, you know, just look away. They don't reveal God at all. <laughs> Those are, they come from somewhere else. Um, uh, allow the creative work of God to, to draw worship out of you. So sing a song, read a psalm, take a walk. Last one, see a person. See a person. God was showing off when he made men and women in his creative work. 
Look into the eyes of someone and, and just see how God is revealed, how his image is captured in that person. So often when we see people, we start to compare ourselves or we start to let other thoughts come into our minds. We get focused on the body and we forget that there's a person that God loves dearly and put together. And instead of comparing ourselves, just see a person and, and be amazed at how God has put us together and allow them to speak into your life. There's so many times when my faith has been encouraged through the words of another. So see a person. Just some ways to engage in worshiping this week. Sing a song, read a psalm, take a walk, see a person. We want to work on these spiritual training activities over the next few weeks and, and invite God to, to grow us up spiritually. Uh, we want to keep track of where we are on our growth chart. How are we growing in our love for God and our love for other people? Next Sunday, Jessica is going to talk about prayer and prayer exercises, how we can uh, engage in prayer in some new ways that we can expand in our love for others and our love for God. So I hope you'll join us. I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to close this with a few songs. And as they're coming up to get ready for that, I just want to share with you a quote about worship from one of those spiritual mentors of mine, John Ortberg. And uh, here's what he writes in one of his books. He says, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me. And when I forget I have a big God beside me, I might live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. And finally, he says, I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. And when we worship, we, we're reminded that we are created for something greater than independence. We're created to, to be in relationship with each other and relationship with God, to be in community together. So I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to sing some songs together as we finish up. And I want you to engage in worship and invite God to grow you up as we move into this new week together. Thanks so much for being here this morning. It's good to be together. I want to invite our prayer volunteers up at this time every Sunday after church. There's volunteers up front that would love to pray with you and encourage you. Uh, if there's something in your life that is concerning you and, and holding you back, just come up. Let us lift you up this morning and pray with you and encourage you. Uh, as you go, you can drop those connection cards or any offering you have this morning. Drop those in the joy box at the, the back of the room there. We'll continue to celebrate generosity as a church. And uh, we're just good to be together today. As you go, uh, might you know that you are loved by God, that he has called you by name. Would you go and worship him with your life? Allow your life to reveal his love and his grace in your neighborhood, in your family, where you work, where you go to school. Uh, walk in the blessing of the Lord, and we'll see you next Sunday. Go with God now. Amen.